Welcome to So Many Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and joining me once more on this palatial VoIP line in the middle of the internet is Brandon Shockney. Brandon, how are you? Bill, I'm well. How are you? I'm well, thank you. You know, just uh, hanging in there as always. I, uh, at the time of this recording, I have taken a one-week staycation from work. Woohoo! Dude, so good. I'm glad you're doing that. Thank you, yeah. So is this the beginning of your vacation or the towards the end of your this is the beginning i I guess you would say this is day one uh gonna get a lot of uh game playing in i might try and stream a little bit extra this coming week and uh you know even see if i can find time to like get out someplace safe and distant and just uh exist there away from my apartment it's not easy to do that in the city of chicago but maybe i can like rent a car and like drive out to some park out in the burbs and I, I, you know what? I hope we get some big gaming news here soon because I want you to. I want. I want a because I've seen other individuals do it. I want you to live stream you watching like some big uh, gaming news event. That would be fun. Yeah, I, I would love the opportunity to do that. Uh, usually, I have to have it on as like my third screen while a uh, while a meeting is happening. So uh, normally it would be bad to do that reaction stream, but maybe here. I actually do want to spend a little time this coming week and like upload some videos to YouTube. You know, I don't know how regular that would be, but like just some stuff like clips from the Twitch streams. For sure. I think you should expand ever expanding the so many bits brand. Yeah, man, that, that SMB brand, it's only one, got one place to go, and it's up, baby. <laughs> well, that's what I'm going to be doing this week, but that's not the only reason we're here to talk. We're here to talk about the games we've been playing. So, uh, Brandon, as always, I need to lead off by asking you that monumental question. Huh? Hey, Brandon, mm-hmm. what you playing? Oh, I'm so glad you asked, Bill. Well, uh, there's three games I'm planning on talking about uh, today. And uh, the, f- the first two are games that probably a lot of people are playing because they're the big kind of July releases. Um, so uh, they've been what people have been playing this past month. So I've been playing a lot of Paper Mario in the Origami King, and I've been playing a lot of Ghosts of Tsushima. Do you have a preference, Bill, of which one I should start with? I would like to hear about the Paper Mario. Okay. Um, so uh, Paper Mario and the Origami King, which, uh, full disclosure, is my first experience with the Paper Mario franchise. So I wasn't going into this uh, with a lot of expectations of, you know, a lot of what I've seen online are people that are, are huge fans of the original Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door that are more traditional RPGs. And they've been kind of let down with a lot of the... Uh, recent entries like Super Paper Mario and Color Splash 
And um, so there was a lot riding on Origami King. Was this going to be a return to form? Was it going to kind of continue to uh, go a different way from um, the more traditional aspects of the the franchise? And since I wasn't coming with a lot of that uh, background, it was I, I've had an interesting experience with Paper Mario. Um, I, I'll, I'll start off with the with the pros, which are that. Uh, I, I really love the graphical style. I think it looks great. All the, the paper characters are, are very fun. The environments and the worlds are very bright and colorful and goofy, and there's a lot going on in them. So I, I very much enjoy that. And then I enjoy the writing of the game. I think it's uh, the humor is really good. Uh, it, there's just a lot of moments that make me uh, chuckle. There's been a few that have really made me, you know, laugh out loud that that are, that are really good. So those are those are kind of the main things I've been honing in on in terms of the game. Of the game, it's like, man, this game looks gorgeous and it makes me laugh. Yes, like perfect, right? I should love this game based off of that alone. Hey, you should love this game, idiot. <laughs> oh no, my troll has returned. Uh, just sit tight gaming troll because i'm not done um (laughs) uh, because although i really love those aspects of the game and they are enough to keep me playing it uh i i think the game really falls flat in terms of the actual gameplay i uh i am not a fan of the uh circle ring like line up the enemies uh, uh, mechanic. Um, so, so for those that aren't aware, uh, in Paper Mario, when you enter a battle, like a random battle with enemies, uh, they appear on this uh, grid. It's like it's like a circular. Uh, they they appear on uh, appear on different lines, different rings uh, on this big circle, and Mario's in the middle. And uh, he can attack enemies, uh, but he gains like bonuses if uh, during the allotted time time that's given to you, you can line up these enemies in ways that uh, will allow you to attack all of them at once, or um, you group them together and you can get four at a time with with your hammer, or you can jump all, all, all on all of them in a row. Um, you get like attack bonuses that allow you to either like wipe the enemies out quicker or um, just give you an advantage. Uh, so that sounds like an interesting dynamic in itself, but in practice, it becomes very tedious. And, and it also becomes a little bit unbalanced because either the the puzzles that you're uh, presented with in terms of rearranging these enemies are either super simple and you can see the solution pretty much right away, or they're so obtuse that you're like, I have no idea, I'm just getting frustrated, and I'm not really getting anything from these battles, so uh, the fact that it's taking so long is additionally frustrating because uh, it because it feels pointless. Um, so that's the problem with this is that is that uh, you run into battles and battles don't uh, give you experience. Like Mario doesn't get stronger by participating in battles, so there's really no reason to enter battles with enemies because uh, it's just like solving a puzzle and then at the end you get some coins. But you get coins throughout the world from doing other things, just like interacting with the environment 
or, 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 you know, finding like hidden boxes and stuff gives you coins. So you're never like on a shortage of coins that would require you to seek out battles. Um, so the, the battle mechanic is inherently flawed in that there's really no reason for you to participate in them if you, if you have the option of avoiding them, um, which does not seem like a great strategy for your gameplay, uh, giving the player an option to just avoid them and continue on with the elements that they actually enjoy from the game. It sounds like, yeah, it's not fully thought out. I mean, inherently, random encounters in RPGs are there to elongate the game and make you feel like you have done a lot of work to level up and beat these stronger enemies so you feel more accomplished when you are going through the story. But if you don't level up and there's not really any point to the encounters, I, I mean, I guess it's nice that they're optional. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some uh, areas when you like are getting certain items to progress through like a different temple or something um, that you'll be met with a battle that you like are forced into that you can't avoid, and that's fine when that happens. But the fact that there's also like random battles where enemies kind of chase after you and, and whatnot in addition to that feels a little bit like overkill. And so the, the coins uh, that you get from battles and from exploring the world, their purpose is to, they do a couple different things. So you can either spend coins in the middle of the battle to give yourself more time. So as your clock kind of runs out, you haven't really arranged the enemies in the way you want, you can hold down a button to spend some of your coins and then you gain some seconds from that, depending on how many coins you've spent. Also, there's like toads that are in the audience. So um, the classic Mario character Toad, there's hundreds of them scattered throughout the world that Mario can find. They're all like folded up in origami and in different areas and you can whack them with your hammer and they'll unfold and become Toads again. And they join the audience of whenever you enter a battle, there's like toads in the background watching the battle happen. Uh, And you can spend coins to have them assist you. Uh, So like you spend a certain amount of coins and the the toads will like throw things into the ring uh, that'll hit the enemies and do a little bit of damage. Or a toad will throw a heart out uh, and you'll regain some health back. Those are the main two purposes that the coins serve. But the the, the coins kind of like, you know, it's like eating your own tail type thing because you're, you're, you're gathering coins so that you can spend coins in battle. So it, it and, and you're never really, like, like I said, you're never really short on coins. I always have like several thousand coins at a time. And I spend like... That sounds maybe, like a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I spend like, you know, I think... A, a coin, uh, like a few hundred to like get some seconds back and, and stuff. So I don't know. It's so, so here's my fix on how I would, how I would make the game better. It would probably shorten the game, but I think the game needs to be shorter. Uh, it's, it's apparently like a 25 hour adventure or something. And I think it could be streamlined and I think people would be a lot happier. I would, I would get rid of random battles entirely. So I would eliminate that uh, aspect of the game. Uh, There's other things you can do that are like mini games and stuff that pop up. I'd maybe add in a few more of those to make up for the lack of enemy encounters. But I I really think all they do is kind of drag the pace to zero. Um, I think you can keep in 
enemy encounters that are maybe like scripted that are you know part of the of the uh, adventure and part of like things that you're gathering and stuff if you get hit uh you know pick up an item and then you get hit by a wave of enemies like that's okay but uh in terms of random enemies i would just get rid of that entirely and then uh boss battles are are where are the only time where i find like the circle ring mechanic kind of fun uh because uh, it's it's inverted when that happens so uh the the boss is in the middle of the ring and mario is on the outside and uh the panels that are scattered throughout the ring you have to line them up to create a path for you to get to the end to the boss in the middle where you can like then you know do some damage to them based on uh the tiles that you've you've placed so I, I kind of like it when it's inverted like that because then it becomes a different kind of puzzle. And I mean, it's against like a big boss enemy. So it feels like more strategies required. Uh, and uh, it's just a more fun because they're, they're more involved. Um, but, the, but the random enemy encounters are not that. They're usually like, you know, over in like a couple turns or they take too long. And uh, like I said, you get frustrated. So... So yeah, I think I think I would just streamline some of these elements, and you'd have a much stronger, a more satisfying game. But I I, I couldn't believe that I, it's one of these games where I'm like, oh, I like Paper Mario despite uh, the gameplay being pretty weak. I I like it just because it's got so much charm in it that I man, I couldn't imagine. I, now I kind of even though I haven't played those earlier entries in the series, I kind of understand where people are coming from because. Man, if there was like, if it was this world plus a more like traditional RPG laid on top of it, I'd probably be so into that. Whereas, whereas the gameplay here is is not what I would really expect from Nintendo. It feels it feels a little, pretty weak to me and disjointed from the the themes of the game. Like, what does the circle thing have to do with anything with origami? Like, I don't I don't really get why it's an element. That's yeah, it's too bad. I mean, uh, with the Paper Mario games, I know. There were complaints about a few earlier entries as well, like Sticker Star. From what I understand, having not played the game, uh, you had to like get these different cards that you would use during battle, and like the issue there is you got like the wrong st- stickers sometimes, or the wrong cards, and it like was sometimes annoying to like make sure you had the right one at the right time. And then there was uh, Color Splash. With for the Wii U, and if I again am secondhand here, like the issue was you got too much stuff, like you would get too many supplies for going into battle and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like yeah, they're just maybe following that same trend of making the the means for the battles very, very, very plentiful. Yeah, yeah. I I don't. It feels like they're trying to reinvent the wheel for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why it's like. It almost feels like the game developers are making the game a little harder. They're they're doing more work than they maybe need to in terms of the gameplay. It's like you don't need to present something completely new in that respect. Like if if people just if if your audience is telling you, hey, we, these are the elements of the the series that we like, we would just like a more traditional RPG that that features you know Mario in this world because we like this world so much. Like, why wouldn't you commit to presenting that as opposed to something that that people aren't aren't necessarily asking for? I I just I'm I'm surprised by by that a little bit. 
what might have happened there is that for the longest time, there was the Mario and Luigi series for, you know, Game Boy Advance and DS and 3DS, and they Mm -hmm. adopted the timing-based attacks and RPG traditional battles that you'd see in Super Mario RPG and the, you know, earlier Paper Mario games. So maybe they felt like while that was going on, they needed to find their own lane for the Paper Mario games so there wasn't too much uh, similarity there. I, I mean, yeah, I, 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 now that you say that, I, I can see that Mario and Luigi games getting that. But, the, but the, it's it just kind of, it's so weird to me. It's like, why, why separate those two things? <laughs> you know, it's like... Uh, it is kind of strange. I think people would... People would be fine with both, right? Like I, I, I would think. I don't know. I, I, I'm gonna keep playing the game. I've been, I've been playing it. You know, I think I'm on like the third world or so. Uh, so I, I, it's clearly enough to keep me going. Uh, but I, but I can't help but wonder what if, when, when it comes to this game, and that maybe that's because I, I hear all that discourse out there, you know, about about previous entries, and it, it, it did make me want to seek that out. I mean, I, I do have. It, you know, it's not easy to find like a, a copy of the original Paper Mario, right? But I would, I would love to play that. So anyway, that's that's the one big title I've been playing. The other one I'll, I'll be a little bit quicker on um, is Ghost of Tsushima uh, that I've been playing for my PlayStation Four. Uh, I was very excited for this because I'm a I'm a huge Sucker Punch fan. I've liked all of their uh, games pretty much. I was I was huge. Uh, you know, the Sly Cooper series was my favorite. Uh, platformer um, on the the PS2, and uh, I, I, I very much enjoyed Infamous. Uh, you know, I, I played through all those uh, Infamous, Infamous 2, Infamous Second Son. I played through all those um, several times. Uh, so I was very excited for this new IP from them uh, in Ghost of Tsushima, and I and I wasn't disappointed. It's very much it's very much Sucker Punch's style of of game in terms of gameplay. But just you know, laid on top of like a samurai epic. So that's that's so up my alley in in so many ways. I, I'm a I'm a big fan of like uh, you know old uh, samurai movies, uh, which is explains why I've been playing this entire game in Kurosawa mode, uh, which is the mode you can select from the beginning, which puts a black and white filter on top of the of the game um and and gives it like an old timey look like like you're you're watching an old film it has like the the scratches on the screen and stuff like the the specs on the film um as you play and then it adds the japanese audio on on top of on top of that so that's how i've been playing the game uh i might be missing out on a whole element uh because i know it's there's it looks from trailers and stuff it's very colorful and whatnot but i've really really enjoyed i've never played a game that way uh in black and white from start to finish and i have really been enjoying my experience with that so i i think i'll, I'll continue to do that throughout this this first run in any way and then like most sucker punch games it rewards re, it, you know it's very uh replayable so I, then my next time i go through it i'll probably do the english audio and i'll play it uh in color awesome that sounds great yeah mm-hmm. i mean it, it does not seem like you have any complaints there i guess uh yeah the ghost of tsushima is done if i mean uh, like i'm just assuming they're following the lyrics to one week by the bare naked ladies and next we'll be able to look forward to a uh licensed sailor moon game uh coming out after 
<laughs> oh man, dude, I would be into that. They they made a bunch in the nineties. I don't think they've made that many since then. But uh, really, you know, it's never too late. I did not know that. But yeah, no, Ghost of Tsushima. It seems like they've yet again. Sony has created another incredible franchise for exclusive franchise for themselves. I mean, the 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 sword mechanic, the sword gameplay is really where it's at. That's that's probably my favorite aspect. I mean, the the weaker stuff is the actual like more ninja aspect of it, so you can play as like a ghost, right? A ghost of Tsushima where you're more stealthy and the focus is less on confronting enemies and more just kind of throwing uh, you know, bombs and stuff at them to, to, you know, or arrows to take them out. Uh, I find that to be much less fun than uh, just going up to enemies and pressing up to issue on the D-pad, to issue a standoff where you basically call them cowards and then they come over to you <laughs> uh, and uh, you hold down the triangle button, which uh, which has you hold down uh, your hilt, uh, hold your hand down on the hilt of your sword. And then an enemy uh, stands in front of you. And as soon as he goes to raise his sword and cut you down, you let go, if you time it right, you let go of the triangle button and you take down this dude just with one slice and he collapses and then another one comes up to you and you can time it. So you can do that a couple times in a row before you take on enemies. So, uh, you know, through through a more stylized, like, sword combat style. It's it's so fun. I, I can't get over how how well done it is. Um, you, you learn different stances that allow you different sword moves and are useful against different types of enemies. So the stone stance, which is, you know, you can switch to the stone stance that... That uh, it makes it easier for you to parry against other people that have swords. But then there's like the the water stance, which will allow you to uh, do better against enemies that have shields. And then there's man, what's what are the other two? I, I'm forget- blanking on the names of the different stances, but you could switch between them. Like uh, and they there's so probably like fire and earth. And then the air one disappeared a hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. There is a wind stance now that now that uh, you said that. <laughs> Damn. Uh, uh, so thank you, thank you for jogging my memory. Ha. <laughs> but uh, no, it's uh, it's it's very intuitive, but it's easy to learn, and it rewards you like dedicating the time to kind of mastering the timing and stuff there. So uh, I can't recommend it enough. Ghost of Tsushima is. I will say, I mean, Last of Us Part Two is probably still the best gaming experience I've had so far this year. But I would say next up, right below that, is... Actually, no, that's a lie. Uh, Persona 5 Royal is is going to be up there. You know. You know. It's going to be up there for me. Uh, so, But Ghost of Tsushima is in that top, top five, for sure, of gaming experiences I've had in 2020. Uh, it's, it's the best new game in a franchise that I've I've played for sure. So people should check it out. People should check it out, but they should not check out the Origami King, or they should with some reservations. Yeah, I would say if you're a fan of that, if if you love Nintendo and you love Paper Mario and you want a more like I don't know casual game that uh, you know you appreciate humor in video games, go for Paper Mario. If you want like an all around more solid game uh, that you know is Maybe more more serious, but more there's certainly more to do and more robust. I would say go for Ghost of Tsushima. They actually make a good combo, kind of switching back and forth between those. 
uh, I, I've, I've, it's been good to like play Ghost of Tsushima one night and the next night kind of switch gears and play some Paper Mario. So it's been good to have those two. There's one more game I want to, I know I've been talking forever. There's one more game I want to talk about before we Hit move me. on. Hit me, damn it. Uh, so I recently rediscovered my Game Boy Advance. So I have a Game Boy Advance SP and I, I, I found it again and was like, oh my God, it's, it's first of all, it's in great condition. And, uh, but the only game I really had for it was Pokemon Fire Red. I actually have several Pokemon games, but, uh, so anyway, I wanted to maybe see if I could find a few other games. So I've been going to like local game stores. I've been picking up a few things. I got like nostalgia purposes of things that I've played back in the day. I got like Dragon Ball Z, Legacy of Goku. Um, I got this like Shaman King game because uh, I really like the Shaman nice. King uh, series. Uh, and then the one I picked up that I've been really enjoying because I can't believe I didn't play it when it first came out was WarioWare Inc. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I got yeah. to tell you, what a fun little game that is. I, I, I couldn't get over just uh, how addictive it really was. You know, when I turn it on, I'm like, oh, I'll just play for 10 minutes. And then I play for, you know, half an hour to an hour of, of WarioWare Inc.'s uh, mini games. Uh, I specifically like uh, the one. So there, there's like a huge collection of games um, that you can play there. Uh, and then there's different like themes too. So you can select one that is all Nintendo focused. So it's basically like the legacy of Nintendo in the form of mini games. Uh, and so it's like little things that'll hit you. You have a very few seconds. Uh, suddenly Link will appear uh, from the Legend of Zelda and you just, ha- it's like enter the doorway and you just have to navigate Link into the doorway and then you've succeeded for that mini game. Or, um, you know, uh, jump on this Goomba uh, quick and as Mario and you have to do it and then you can uh, proceed to the next mini game. Uh, but they're all like very fast paced and you have a few seconds to like successfully do what this thing wants you to do. And usually you have to time it right or you have to press the right buttons in the correct s- sequence and whatnot. But so fun. Uh, very much enjoying that. It's, it's also very funny and very weird very strange it seems like this was during a time where maybe nintendo wasn't so precious about its its uh various ips so they let like WarioWare just kind of like have fun <laughs> with the nintendo history and then you know um everything there i i just wario's a little bit big old stinker and i love him um, <laughs> uh but uh yeah no i i don't know if you've played those any, any of those games from that series bill but man what a blast i i have i've played some of them i uh actually got WarioWare Gold for the 3DS. It was a late 3DS release, and it kind of compiles like the best micro games from across the entire series into one package on the 3DS. So it has some of the games from the original GBA games, some from uh, the earlier other GBA and DS games. I think it even has some from like the, the Wii version, but it's a good package and it's uh not that expensive on the 3ds i think it's still like 25 or 30 bucks but for anyone out there with a 2ds or a 3ds that wanted to like dabble with those as well that would be a, a good bet i regret giving up my 3ds because now there's stuff i want to play and i can't find 3ds's or 2ds's anywhere it's uh, i guess i would have to buy one used i would like to have a new one but i can't find any I think you're you well I mean maybe they're all gone now it's uh, you know but 
at a certain point, I remember like you know going through stores and like they had the 2DS XLs new. Yeah, I think Are a lot those of all them. Gone? I well, yeah. Since they kind of discontinued those, I think a lot of like Targets and stuff aren't carrying that anymore. But I'd have to, I'd have to double check. But I, I haven't been able to find anything around here. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, there are plenty of options out there. There's like eight different iterations of the 3DS, and I'm mm-hmm. only barely exaggerating on that, too. Uh, so I, I feel like <laughs> one of them is out there if you can just find the right seller. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to have to look. going to have to look. But that's all I'm playing, Bill. I, I'm done. I'm done talking, I promise. What are you playing? Well, you know, uh, I've been playing a few different things lately uh i'll start i guess with a 3ds game that i've been playing it's a uh rpg called etrian odyssey 2 untold the fafnir knight and that's a uh game from the etrian odyssey series which it's got this like niche appeal but the the gimmick is you are playing in a first person perspective navigating this dungeon and you need to draw a map to really be able to track where you're going. And so the top screen is like your view, and the bottom screen is a grid for the map. So like you draw the map using your stylus, you use little icons to represent different traps or doors, or like there'll be supply gathering spots, so you'll put a little icon down for those. And meanwhile, you know, it's just traditional RPG gameplay where, you know, you you go into a random encounter and there's different enemies there and you have to you know fight item run magic spells and to play uh so in regular etrian odyssey you have these characters that are kind of just like blank slates and then it's up to you to give them different classes and skills and stuff like that with the untold series they those were i believe trying to do two different things one is they were trying to add like a greater story element to the games because I believe the original Etrian Odyssey titles were pretty light on story. And then also they give you kind of a an option to have like pre-made characters more or less. Like, you know, the story they'll have characters in them and they already have a class assigned and then you just have to go in and like decide their skills. So it, you know, offloads a little bit of the complexity there. I'm into it. That might be something if I if I am able to get a 2DS, I'm gonna have to look into this. I guess the thing is for me, I, so I mean, I really liked Persona Q, and I really liked Persona Q too. Uh, mm-hmm. Persona Q, I I tried to play it twice, and sadly, both times the cartridge I got bricked. And Persona Q two though, I I got it and I played you know all 80 hours of it. The the Q games are not much shorter than a regular Persona title. And uh, I, w- I just wanted to find something that kind of matches that experience because I like making the map, I liked making the personas, and I like just like the the you know having the characters and they like would talk to each other and you get these fun little fan servicey type moments where the different fr- uh, persona franchise games would like interact with each other, and so that's why I went with the Untold games because like they had a clearer story. And even I was like, well, you know, uh, I, the story might not be perfect, but I'm sure it'll be okay. And yeah, it's it's okay so far. I'm not quite sure how much longer I'm going to stick with it right now. I've played for about four hours and gotten through some of the early levels of the, the dungeons here. And just, 
It's still fun to make the map, but I'm just not connecting with the characters in the same way I did with the Persona characters, you know? Right, and sure. So it's kind of making me want to try and play Persona Q for a third time and get <laughs> through it. And mind you, when I say that I played it, like, I played 30 hours both times and got through, like, you know, half to two-thirds of the game each time. So wow. that would be a, a major commitment to go back and try and get Q again. And I think for that... I would just do a digital download because it sounds like with whatever they did with the Q games, like there's a manufacturing defect because if you Google online, you will see lots of references to, oh, my Persona Q cartridge bricked. What happened? And then everyone's just like, yeah, man, sorry. It's it's done. It's just done. Wow. So not, not ideal for the cartridge, but maybe, yeah, we'll go with the uh, the digital download instead. Yeah, man. Then, uh, let's see. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that, that, that was good, but not great. Uh, one game that I, I think is great, although it's not completely perfect, is uh, Tales from the Borderlands. And I finally sat down after, I think I've mentioned it several times on the podcast, you know, I have to really go back and play Tales from the Borderlands. And I finally did it. Mm-hmm. finally went back, and I really had uh, a blast going through it. Is that one of the... I, I know you've played some of the Telltale games, Brandon. Is that one you've played? Uh, no, I have not. I, I have played a fair amount of the Telltale games, but that is not one of them. If, if, I, if I don't have a specific like interest in the Borderlands universe, will I still enjoy it? I think you would, because I think one of its strengths is that it doesn't really rely too much on the Borderlands lore to derive its story and humor. With respect to people who who do enjoy the Borderlands games and the stories, uh, there are some elements that are a bit a lot, like uh, you know that there are these characters, the psychos, and they're like you know the, the generic grunts that run around on Pandora, the world in which the games are set, and they, you know they're like uh, I need to make my meat bicycle, and it, it just comes off as maybe to my eyes trying too hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's extra true of the the villain who shows up in Borderlands 2, Handsome Jack, who uh, is so gratingly over the top in like being a jerk and villainous and like insulting you. It's, uh, I mean, to an extent, it's the job of the bad person in the game to make you want to beat them. So you know, in that case, mission accomplished. But right. yeah, he just he. It seems like they want to write him a certain way, and I won't—I don't want to get too much into it in, without like getting into spoiler territory. But I, I feel like they—they they miss the mark in some of their aims with like that character. He is in Tales from the Borderlands, but I think they do a pretty good job of like moderating him and like his role in the overall story. Yeah, no, I—I I know I've heard a lot of people that enjoy that character. I, I don't know why. I, I just know. I feel like his name pops up a lot. So yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm curious. I'm it's piqued my interest. I I would be into playing that. Yeah, I would encourage you to check it out because I think they do some good stuff with the Borderlands series, and they like merge it really well with the uh, Telltale style of game, especially because they get some of the irreverence of Borderlands and map it onto the Telltale formula, which I think that's kind of necessary. Like, so I, I felt like when I played the Telltale games, I, you know, I didn't play maybe as many as you, but I played 
uh, a bunch of them, especially in the Walking Dead series, and they're very, very serious, very grim, and yes. kind of poking fun at the formula a little bit would be in the best interests of what they're doing. Like, uh, they make a lot of jokes about the X will remember that. Like, uh, you know, mixing up the, the remarks and, like, how people react to stuff. And, like, uh, the quick time events are still in there. And there's a really, really good one where uh, you're controlling this character and they're stuck on the, the hood of a moving vehicle. And then the driver of the vehicle pulls out a gun and it's pointing it right at your face. And so the prompt shows up to, like, uh, go right. And so you, you do it. And then the guy, your guy go, rolls to the right. And then the driver is like, what, did you think that would do something? I mean, you're still on the hood of the car. I just have to move my <laughs> arm a little bit to the side to be able to aim at you again. <laughs> and their, their storytelling, too, is a bit unique. I don't know how often this happens, Brandon, with the uh, other Telltale games, but they have, like, two protagonists. There's Reese and Fiona, and they are telling the same story from two different perspectives. And so they'll have some funny moments where it's like they're talking about a thing and what happened, and they're like, that didn't happen that way. And it's like, okay, well, you know, you weren't there. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, I think that's the only one I can think of um, where you play as multiple, yeah, multiple individuals there. Good, good. Yeah, I, I was not sure if that was something they had adopted for other games. Like, uh, yeah, usually from my experience, it's one main person at the helm, and then here they they branch out like there'll be times where Reese and Fiona are separated. So you'll see the story from them being in two places and then they'll link back up and you'll like figure out, okay, while Reese was doing this, Fiona was doing this. And like, you can see like while Fiona is doing her thing, Reese is doing his thing elsewhere sometimes. And it's, it's really cool. It's really good storytelling. You know, the, the knock on a lot of the telltale games is that, you know, they, they get open, they promise a lot of different possibilities by like episode three, but by episode five, they have to kind of hone everything into one ending. And well, they still do that here, but they find (laughs) a good way, I believe, to uh, make your decisions matter towards the ending. Like there, there's a cool moment before the ending where you can uh, reflect back on your choices and you'll get a chance to kind of like I felt personally rewarded because like the decisions I made uh, ended up influencing how the last part of the story would go and like knowing, Hey, I didn't have to be necessarily a goody two shoes the whole time. Like, you know, you could play it in different ways. You like, as always, you can be like the nice guy. You can be the jerk. You can be like kind of the silent person and those like let events unfold, unfold around you. But here, like, you know, I tried to make character choices for each of these people as the story goes on. And I'll, I'll mention just one, and I, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler. Like, uh, you, Fiona is in a uh, part of the game where she runs into two vault hunters. The vault hunters are, Brandon, the player characters, basically. Right. So, like, the, the people you play as are known as Vault Hunters. So, like, when you meet them in the story, it's like, oh, geez, this is bad news. The Vault Hunters are here because they're supposed to be, like, superheroes pretty much in this world. And they run into you. And at first, they're just, like, kind of indifferent. And they're going to kind of leave you alone because they're like, oh, you're just some civilian bystander, whatever. Beat it. 
but then you can respond and be like, I am a vault hunter. And then they'll take you more seriously. And then later on in the game, there's a conversation where someone else is like, oh yeah, this person told me that you're a vault hunter. And I was like, interested in you now because of your courage to say that. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's good. I I, I know, I, I think Telltale does a good job at making those choices feel feel like they have they have real consequences i i I, the only one i've played recently are the batman telltale series games and those those i felt like the choices really reverberated throughout the the other characters so yeah no i i like when that happens it's too bad yeah i mean (laughs) telltale did make those games sadly uh yeah yeah and uh it made me want to go back and find some of the other Telltale games. So luckily, most of them have come back to the store or like the digital marketplaces. It seems like from my uh, investigation, Back to the Future is gone. Game of Thrones yeah. is gone. And I think back, like maybe... Sorry, go on. Back to the Future is the one that I haven't played and I would love to play because I, I mean, I'm the biggest fan of... That those movies, but I've never played the game. So yeah, I was bummed that you can't find that anymore. I think your only option there would be to. Uh, there are physical versions of some of these games, but they're like they're kind of pricey now because that's the only way to get to the content. Yeah, the PS4 uh, Back to the Future is like impossible to find. But for the other ones, like it's it's kind of funny. Like the t- mainly the TV and movie based ones like those are the ones that have gone dark like i think guardians also is off the market yeah i had that one for a while and then i beat it and i i turned it in so i I contributed to that getting (laughs) rid of that the but batman and walking dead are the ones that are still easy to find right yes batman and walking dead are easy to find the sam and max games are still out there yeah i really enjoyed the wolf among us um basically just because i love fable uh, so I really, really enjoyed those. And and it seems like we're still getting that sequel. Uh, and then, uh, have you played the Monkey Island ones? No, I haven't. Those are those are very fun. And those are, you know, those those are so primed to just be in the world of te- Telltale. Because uh, it's, it's just a natural fit. I think I'm going to maybe look at the Sam and Max ones down the line. Like those ones, like the, maybe like the, the more random or strange humor of that series a little more. So I might start there. And uh, the, the only other one that I like really along with like Sam and Max and Monkey Island is like, cause I was looking for more humorous telltale games is the strong bad game. And that one I think is, is gone. Like just gone, gone. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, oh man. I forgot they did that. Cause that was a Nintendo Wii eShop exclusive at first. And the Wii shop is gone for sure. So maybe it's, you know, maybe it's out there. Maybe I can get another call from my internet service provider. Uh, <laughs> but maybe it's out there to find, just not through a regular storefront. I believe in you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And then lastly, there's one other game I wanted to cover here. Uh, that is going to be Bloodstained Curse of the Moon 2. So I, I remember talking about the first Bloodstained on here a while back. It was a kind of a unexpected surprise it's a like an 8-bit version of the bloodstain game which bloodstain ritual of the night that came out before ritual of the night and proved to be a very good version of that kind of like old school castlevania style platformer 
Yeah, I know people have been like, these are the these are the types of Castlevania games we've been wanting. Exactly, yeah. And I, I think the nicest thing and the harshest thing I could say is they just delivered more of the same thing here. It's just another iteration of the game with more of that complex platforming action where a lot of times in you know Mario or mo- more modern platformers, you know, you you just you can jump and you have a lot of movement in the air. If you get hit by something, you can carry your momentum forward, stuff like that. But in Bloodstained, you move like you've got bricks in your feet and you jump the same way. Like when you jump, you're 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 stuck on your jump now. You're just going to go in that direction unless you get hit, in which case if you get hit, you're going to get knocked back quite a distance, which becomes very problematic on the very tiny platforms or the moving platforms that make up a lot of the game. The key here to a lot of your progression is that you have four different characters you can play as, and it's a lightning quick swap between them. You can just press the L or R buttons to swap between them at any time, and they have all these different abilities, and their movement is all a little bit different. And they even will get different like sub items that have different properties and stuff to use. So it's about taking advantage of each of their unique skills to uh, keep progressing. Like uh, you've got Zangetsu; he's the main guy. He's like he's probably got the best like attacks, and but his movement is not too great. And then there's Dominique, who she's got a better jump. She has a spear, and she can use the the spear to like pogo off enemies or off uh, like lanterns to get to other areas. There is a this new guy. He's like a he's a gunman, so he can actually hit things from pretty much across the screen. But it's a very weak attack, and it takes a while to uh, spin up. He also has a uh, wall jump he can do, so that gives you some different movement options. And lastly, <laughs> there is Hachi. Hachi is a uh, is a corgi who rides a mech. Naturally. As you do. And yeah, Hachi is... I, I spend most of my time playing as Hachi for uh, a few different reasons. First of all, he's got uh, tons of health. He's got a great mobility option where if you jump in the air, you can hold the jump button and then he'll just start hovering. He, uh, that sounds like, sounds like it would come in handy. Yes, it comes in very handy. He is immune to certain elements in the stage. Like, uh, you know, if, obviously if you take a human and you land on the spikes, they'll get hurt. But if you take Hachi and land him on the spikes, he'll break the spikes instead, which is pretty sweet. And he even has uh, this sub-item power where, like, you know, during the game you're picking up health, but you also pick up, like, magic power. And you can turn on his sub-power, which it'll eat MP, but it makes him invulnerable to enemy attacks for a short time. And he also happens to be a corgi on a mech. Yes, he is also a corgi on a mech, which is great. And uh, one nice inclusion from this game that they didn't have in one is like between the levels, they have these little uh, intermissions where you see the characters sitting around a campfire and they'll be like doing different things each time. Like uh, there's one where they're, they're like it's a cold level that they were entering, so they're all just like shivering and huddled really close to the fire. While then there's another one where it's like the lava level, and they're like, you know, there's sweat coming off them. And then like there's another one where it's just like uh, Dominique is fussing over Hachi, and like little hearts are 
going off her sprite because she's in love with this cute dog and stuff like that. So it's good stuff. Yeah, just like like I said, the only bummer is a little bit is like this. It is more of the same thing. So it's not any worse than what they did before. It's just like the expectation has already been set and now they're meeting the expectation rather than exceeding it like the first time where it was like it kind of caught crept up on people caught them by surprise like how fun this could be right they're not pushing the envelope right exactly exactly interesting i am intrigued to at least check out the first one in the series and see how i feel about it because uh but it's but it sounds like it's you know i it requires skill and maybe it's is it more punishing than than uh forgiving you feel i would have to boot up the original to confirm how that works but in two they have different difficulty levels. So I'm playing on veteran. And if you play on like regular or whatever the other difficulty is, like the knockback is turned off, for example. So there are some options to like toggle the difficulty down a little bit if you would prefer to try it. And it's a little less punishing. Yeah, I might have to do that, (laughs) but we'll see. (laughs) I guess one difference from the original, and maybe it is because I'm playing on veteran difficulty now, is that in the original, it felt like, so when you have the characters if one of them dies, you don't lose a life. Instead, you can just start the stage as one of the other three characters. And then once they're all dead, then you start a new life. When I played that way, it was interesting because like some characters would be better options than others for different areas. But it was fun like figuring out, okay, I was using character B for this part. Now I'm going to try using character C. And like they have different abilities and like trying to figure out how to handle the problem that you had already solved. In Curse of the Moon 2, it feels more like you're expected to be carrying all four characters with you all the time. Like, sometimes I feel like if I lose just one character that's very important for a certain segment, it's like, well, I don't know how I'm going to advance anymore. It just feels too difficult. Like, some of the hard platforming, especially, like, basically when Hachi dies, it's very, very hard to get any additional movement going sometimes with, like, the platforming because he's kind of the easy button. You can use his invulnerability power and then like mostly hover over a bunch of the areas that are too difficult otherwise. That's interesting, that that kind of challenge that it poses, but there has to be a way, right? There has to be a way. I would start with Bloodstained Curse of the Moon 1. If I remember correctly, it will be on sale periodically for like five bucks. So I I would uh, encourage people to check out 1 and 2 if they're interested in a retro style uh platformer and i think brandon that's uh all the games i've been playing so just hey i i returned it in kind i gave you a bunch of game talk right back at you that's good i i feel better about my game talk now that we've had your game talk too so that'll bring this episode of so many bits to a close brandon thank you so much once again if you want people to find you anywhere uh where can they find you uh, you can find me on Twitter at BEEShock. You can also find me streaming with Bill most Thursdays. Excellent. Yeah. So just uh, if you want to reach me, I'm at so many bits podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. We're so many bits on there. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at so many bits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or download from Simplecast or stream via Spotify. We play games, twitch.tv slash so many bits. And yep, Wednesday and Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central. Thursdays for the multiplayer stuff. Wednesdays usually for single player campaigns. And last but not least, thank you very much for listening. Have a great summer. Woohoo! Okie dokie.